but I feel that we all can impact the world. We each can affect change. It's not because I have a restaurant that I can affect change, but it does give me a bigger platform, yeah. which I um, I want to make available for causes I believe in. And I support artists who get political because, you know, thank God we're given a mouthpiece. Look, here I am talking to you where I can actually say something that is meaningful and might make change. And uh, it's a very lucky place to be. And I don't take it for granted. And so my space isn't just for me. It's for my community. From the studios of Kink Radio, it's the Portland 50, a podcast series about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The Portland 50 series is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution, serving our community since 1950. I'm your host, Peggy LaPointe. Today, I talk with Lisa Schroeder. Lisa is the executive chef and owner of Mother's Bistro. Mother's Bistro features mother's food, traditional home-cooked dishes served by Portland's unofficial mother, and has been recognized by Food & Wine Magazine, Willamette Week, and Portland Monthly. Mother's Bistro celebrates their 19th anniversary on January 1st. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. But here I was moving to a country where everybody wants to be a lawyer or a doctor. So um, I realized the competition was pretty stiff. But I decided I would go ahead and study English and political science and um, international relations to get me ready to try to apply for law school. Um, in Israel, you apply right away. You don't do it after college. But I was going to go with the tact. I'll, I'll go to college and then I'll try later on. So, yes, I studied Yachassim Ben Lumim and Madea Medina, uh, political science and international relations in Hebrew. Were you thinking international law? Um, no, but I just felt that I wanted to know a little bit more about it and it would help, um, yeah. it would help me with a law degree. I ended up ultimately not even getting a law degree. Right, right. Because after that, you moved to the States a few years, uh, later, you were then, uh, well, I don't know if you moved back when you were pregnant with your daughter or after you had had your daughter. I moved back eight months pregnant with my daughter oh, because man. my husband was about to get drafted into the Israeli army and none of my family was coming for the birth. And I said, how am I going to do all this on my own? So I moved back to America eight months pregnant, and um, uh, thankfully I did because, uh, sadly, my mother died four months later. So at least my mother got a chance to meet her granddaughter, and uh, we had a chance to see each other. Well, and and now knowing that your intention was law— uh, none of the rest of your story makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I am a Jewish girl from Philadelphia who went to a Hebrew high school. So, I mean, we were kind of predestined to do certain things. Yeah. It was just kind of, it was it's just expected. what you thought. It was expected. Right. And never in a million years would I ever consider being a chef. Like, that didn't even enter the realm of comprehension. That would not have even entered my mind. But yet you had that in your family. Yes, my mother, yes, but you know, anybody who does something for a living usually doesn't want their children to do it. Right. So my mother had a restaurant before I was born. It was called The Little Spot in Philadelphia. And I heard such amazing stories about how she'd have, it was so small that she would have the food ready before anybody got there, like the regular orders. Yeah. So she'd have a regular tuna sandwich or a soup that she knew somebody would like already ready to go so she would keep the tables turning and like mother like daughter I mean you know I did follow in her footsteps but no never in a million years did I think cooking would be a career that no. was a I finally realized that at the age of 33 well because you had a number of jobs you were a telemarketing yep. uh, manager publishers clearinghouse a food broker as a customer service manager and then products and licensing licensing manager with Weight Watchers International and it was during that job that I read 
you had this sort of epiphany. Totally. Because you're uh, raising your daughter, you're working long hours, and you're getting food uh, from a restaurant and bringing it home. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, what hits you? Well, there I am at 7 o'clock at night. It's my 13th hour at a job I don't love, and I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do for dinner. And I scratch my head and I say, you know... There's Thai, I could get Mexican, I could get pizza, but where can I get mother food? There was no place to get mother food. And, you know, in New York, you had diners, but, you know, that was reconstituted mashed potatoes with water. <laughs> um, so it was nothing like home cooking. And so I realized then the light bulb went off above my head. The world needs a place that serves mother food. Mm -hmm. um, I ran to my friend's office when I had the epiphany, and all of a sudden we're brainstorming, oh, there'll be pictures of mothers and children on the wall. We'll name dishes after certain mothers. I mean, we had the whole idea. Yeah. Right then and there. Um, but then, of course, it took me uh, eight years to make that happen. Well, you went you went to school. You went to the Culinary Institute of America in New York. You uh, work with other restaurants. I mean, you were getting your education in, in all things food prep. Even though your mother had the restaurant, you had to get all that under your belt. Exactly. And though I had a degree in English and I worked in the business world, I felt I didn't know what I needed to know to be successful in the restaurant world. And that's why I went to the Culinary Institute of America, where I definitely earned my stripes. And then staging, working for free in restaurants in New York City and in Europe, um, allowed me to, again, earn my stripes. I wanted to pay my dues and pay them fast so that I could get the information I need to be successful out of the box. And all along the way, did you have any doubt that you were on the right path? Or were you like, finally, at, you know, 35, I found my path and this feels right? When I was applying to the Culinary Institute of America, I had two applications in front of me. One was for law school at St. John's and the other was for the CIA. And I had to write the app. I started to write the application for law. And I wanted to say I wanted to do the law that's going to help people. And I want to help women like me who haven't been paid child support. But as I'm writing it, I'm realizing I'm not going to be able to afford to do that law because I was still supporting my husband and my daughter at the time. Um, but when I got to the application for the Culinary Institute, the words fell off the pen. I love food. I think about food. I read. I dream. Everything mm -hmm. I do is about food. So I knew that was where I needed to be. And once I had the idea for mothers, everything I did for eight years was leading me to that. Like I was working at Les Pinas and I had to do a roasted vegetable skewer where we roasted a whole turnip, a whole sweet potato, a whole beet, and would cut them up and put them on a skewer, but so that it was a perfect rainbow, you know, perfect square. Well, we would throw away the rest of that roasted vegetable. He'd use some in another dish, but half of it went in the garbage. And all the while I'm doing that, I'm saying, I will never do this. Mm -hmm. This is a sin against the universe. I will not have a restaurant that throws food away. I didn't want to have a restaurant that only catered to the rich. I wanted to be a place where people could go more than once a, um, a year. Right, right. It wasn't just that special occasion place, which is nice and wonderful. Sure. Um, but a place where you felt at home. Hence, mothers exactly. and mother's food uh, and a place, like you said, that people would go to on a regular basis because that's where they wanted to be. Yes. And I wanted to be a home away from home. I want to know my guests. I want I mean, there's so many have become a part of my family. I've lived through births and deaths and um, so many milestones. Yeah. And so I also read, which is interesting to me, that you never were in the kitchen a lot with your mom when she was preparing. Were, were most of us, have, particularly daughters you know, would help with chopping and, and what have you. And we would see things that our mothers would do. And, you know, I know that I've done that where I've, my mom had this trick, I have that trick, you know. But you never did with your mom, and yet she had a restaurant. You know, 
yes, she did kick me out of the kitchen. She didn't really want me in there, but she couldn't keep me out. So I would do stuff when she wasn't around. I would bake cakes. I would experiment um, whether she wanted me in there or not. (laughs) And so you got all of your training uh, and experience in New York. And let's face it, New York and Portland are far away. And I I don't know how many New Yorkers think, oh, Portland is a wonderful place to be and I'm going to go to the West Coast. What happened? What happened? Well, I met a guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was living in New York and I always knew I would open up Mothers in a city other than New York. I just didn't know what the city was. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading all my restaurant magazines and looking at and thinking about Alabama and thinking about Florida. And this is the next restaurant city. And then um, I was invited to go see a performance of a mutual friend of, our, of mine um, who was doing a... Um, a performance at a little gallery in, in uptown Manhattan and a friend of theirs was also going to be there and to watch him perform and he was visiting from Oregon and I went to see this guy Ken Butler who um, my friend had wanted to fix me up with because he was an artist living in Williamsburg so she thought we'd be a good match but I already been married to an artist and I <laughs> when I met him it was like enough about me what do you think about me and that really <laughs> wasn't what I was looking for but there happened to be this fella named Rob who was also there and there to see him perform and he and I hit it off and Rob happened to be living in Portland Oregon and when I eventually came out to visit him um, about a month later and I came I was uh, I was smitten I knew right then and there that um, Portland would be the place for me and even if it didn't work out with Rob and I um, I felt that Portland would be a perfect place for mothers Mm -hmm. at the time I thought Portland could use me yeah and Portland um, (laughs) obviously has appreciated and welcomed you with open arms so that was 1996 I I met him in 96 and I moved here in 97 okay and you worked at Besaws for a while I did I was as as I was on my way home from my first visit or two with Rob um, I happened to pick up a newspaper and I looked in the classified ads and saw an ad for a chef at a small Northwest cafe. And I responded to the ad and we did our communications um, at the time, long distance and via telephone. Uh, AOL was just beginning then. <laughs> and uh, I came here and I got I got the job with Besaws. So I had everything lined up before I moved out here. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so you worked with them for a couple of years. Yes. And then at what point during that time you know mothers had been on your brain for probably sure. this time about 10 years were you sort of building up for that or were you like let me just get my bearings here for a while and then I'll do it I mean were you kind well of, it was all of that I yeah. wanted to first of all earn my chef stripes I yeah. hadn't yet been a chef and when I went to Biswas, I never thought I would be known for my breakfast and yet Biswas was all about breakfast so um, I learned a lot working there mm-hmm. and I wanted to feel ready everything I've done I've wanted to feel ready I wanted to earn my stripes and make sure that what I, I know what I need to know to be successful so after being there for two years I had taken a vacation I got back and I um, I had been looking at locations for a number of months you know kind of seeing what was out there and I finally realized that unless I quit being a chef and do something else to earn a living while I'm in this the throes of opening something I won't be able to do it because working as a chef it's at least a 12-hour day I could earn the same money as a as a server as I could as a chef in half the time so I um, I came and gave my notice to as my plan to go and wait tables and I uh, got a job at Red Star Tavern and the day I gave my notice my Cisco salesman happened to just have found out about a location available on second and Stark it was the Irish Bank you should go take a look at it they only want forty five thousand dollars for the space but you have to hurry because they won out and they won out now hmm. so 
you know, things happen for a reason. And I went to look at the space. It seemed perfect for me in so many ways and so bad from the (laughs) kitchen perspective. It was awful. And I swore when I was going to open up my own restaurant, I would not have a lousy kitchen. And yet here I was finding the perfect space for my guests, but a horrible situation for my my cooks. Mm -hmm. But I did it anyway. And we've tried to make the best of it for the last 18 years. Well, and you've done pretty well. I mean, January 1st, 2000, Mothers opens up. And from the beginning, could you sense that this was going to be a hit in Portland, that this was going to work? Well, you know, I have to say that we all have self-doubt. And one of the things that finally got me to do it, you asked that actually, I did a book called The Artist's Way. We did the workbook with another friend mm-hmm. and um, before finally taking the plunge and jumping off the cliff and knowing that there'll be a net to carry me and that, catch me. And that was something that was also in the book. So I do want to say that that book was very helpful in, in getting me, giving me the kick in the pants I needed to finally move on it. But um, of course I have doubts, but I'll tell you my doubts were allayed when I turned the sign from closed to open on my first day and 90 people walked in the door. Oh, fantastic. So I, thank God, I felt a breath of, of a sigh of relief and I thought, okay, we're going to make this. We're we'll be go. okay. But it is so hard to open a restaurant. It is so daunting. And I have, I knew so, I needed to learn so much and I've learned a lot over the 18 years, but I had a lot to learn. Yeah. And in those 18 years, things have grown. Mothers, mothers, has taken on sort of a life of their of its own and and everyone from my neighbor to the banker to whoever knows about mothers and it's it's gotten word of mouth to the point where I saw one video uh, with you speaking uh, and the guy was saying yeah you know uh, at the airport somebody will say oh you're going into Portland don't forget to hit mothers <laughs> which is pretty cool not just Portland folks, but uh, people from around the world. A lot of people from out of town actually make us a destination, which is really exciting. And oftentimes you'll have local people that have never been and they're brought here by somebody <laughs> from out of town. Yeah. And that's got to feel pretty good. It does. It's really, it's it's great. to. It is a great feeling. And you kind of alluded to this a few minutes ago with the small kitchen and 18 years in this place that you are bursting at the seams. Yes. Uh, one only has to look, you know, at the long line yes. when you open to see that you've you're about to open up a new space. Yes, I'm doing something that is so crazy. I can't believe I'm doing it. I, you know, I question myself every day. Taking something that is a successful business in a in a spot that's been there for 18 years and throwing it all up in the air and moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you why. Um, I was a. I just signed a 10 year lease at Mother's, and I was about to spend about a half a million dollars to make a better working conditions for my staff. I was about to invest in new hoods and new ductwork, which would create a better air circulation because our equipment has grown while the HVAC, the heat and ventilation, has not. And I was going to do a pop-up because we were going to have to be closed for uh, a month while we did this renovation. And I went and I took a look at a space two and a half blocks away at the Embassy Suites Hotel. It was formerly Portland Prime, Portland Steak and Chop House. And I go to look there to do it only temporarily. And while I'm walking around, I'm saying, now, why am I going to just do this temporarily? Why am I going to spend money over there when there's this just two and a half blocks away? You know, 7,900 square feet with our own loading dock versus 4,500 square feet and all our storage in the basement. We've had so many people slip and fall just going up and down stairs to carry soup or bring Uh something up. And 
I have to be honest with you, the main reason I'm doing this is for my staff Mm -hmm. because we have worked so hard behind the scenes. People out front have no idea what we're going through except maybe when it's a 100-degree day and the heat air conditioning can't keep up in the dining room. But for the most part, you have no idea how people are toiling back there. And I just felt that um, I've got grandkids I've got to support for the next 12 years. I've got to keep mothers going. And for mother to continue to sustain and grow and be there for people for the next 10 years, mm-hmm. I have got to improve the working conditions for my people. Well, and it's a beautiful spot. And it and it will be a beautiful yeah. spot. Um, we'll be able to stretch out. It won't be a cluster, you know what, at the front door, just trying to get in the front door. Right. People won't be knocked around. I have a landlord in my current location that sa- who says, can't you keep people from waiting in my lobby? Where I'm moving to, the GM of the hotel says, we'd love to have your people waiting in our lobby. What a difference. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's very risky. And just like I risked everything to open up mothers, I'm going to risk it again. But I feel that that's our future. And that's where we're going to be able to be here into the into the next into the 20s. Absolutely. Well, in 18 years, you have built you have built an audience. That's not the right word, but a clientele who will come to you, and it's not like you're moving uh, into a suburb or, exactly. or on the east side way out. You're moving three blocks away. Exactly, and it's an easy walk. Very you know, you so. don't even have to move your parking spot. I may even consider getting a rickshaw or some way to <laughs> drive people over there, um, but it's super close, so it seemed like it's the right thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, i got to keep the old location. I still have ten, nine years left on that lease. So. And I want to ask you about that in a minute. But the one thing I always noticed, and I hadn't realized this, but sometimes if I'm taking the number 15 and I'm going over the Morrison Bridge and I see Mamma Mia right there and the colors on that, I'm like, I always think it's mothers. And it wasn't until I I was doing my research that I realized that was your old. That was one of your old restaurants. Yes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it makes perfect sense. Yes. The colors are identical. So you started that in 2005, was it? Ish. Yes, ish, uh, 2005 ish. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And uh, basically, I was. We were at Mother's, and I wanted. There were so many foods I wanted to eat here in Portland that I couldn't get. I couldn't get chicken parmesan and spaghetti and meatballs to save my life. So I decided, okay, I'll do it. And well, and I like the story behind it, though. Tell me about the menu and what this is based off, because this is this is from your childhood. Well, you know, I grew up in Philadelphia, and my father had a beauty salon on Chestnut Street. And every Friday night, we would go around the corner to Jimmy's Milan, and I would eat chicken parm and veal parm and francese, and they would. My mom would let me have whatever I want. But this is the Southern Italian food I grew up on in Philly. And if you go to South Philly, this is what you'll find. And um, Willamette called it an uh, archetypal simulacrum of an Italian restaurant. <laughs> That's what I was looking for, but I didn't use those words. No. Um, they did a much better job with the words of that, but I didn't understand it. I had to look them up. But basically, I was trying to recreate the Italian restaurant I knew and grew up on in, on the East Coast. Yeah. And the food, if you go to... 10 different Italian restaurants, you will see exactly the same dishes. And that's exactly what I was going for when I opened up that restaurant. And I felt that there was a real void uh, here for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, running two restaurants uh, would have to be a lot for sure. It was too much. And at at one point, um, you know... At mother's was never motivate money was never the motivation for mothers never at mom and me I thought well Italian food should be a, a easy way to make a living right and it's right next door shouldn't be hard well that wasn't the case um, Mama Mia was not uh, 
as profitable as I hoped. And I didn't realize why until after I was um, ready to finally say, okay, I'm selling this. But that I had had an employee that was stealing from me for um, all the years. This person worked for me for all the years I was there and uh, was working uh, behind the bar and was it was bringing in his own liquor to sell. But I didn't know it until we got stung by the OLCC. And they came in. He never would serve anybody. He would card anyone. And he, he had already given his notice. And so somebody came in. He didn't card her. Turned out it was a minor. The OLCC said, you know, you just served a, a minor. And we found out how, what was going on because she had paid with cash. And when they asked for their money back, because they're not going to pay for a drink that they didn't get, um, it hadn't been rung in. And that's when the light bulb went off. And, oh, my goodness, that's why those occasional bottles were coming in. And, uh, and oh, just stocking up. No, it was that's how they were making the money, and I wasn't. But it, was a pro- it, it ended up being a business very worthwhile to sell. Yeah. And um, I just realized that life is too short to spend every waking hour working and not taking care of my family and myself. Mm. And so I decided to sell it and focus. Mother's was always the dream. Mother, I, kept, I should have kept my eye on the prize, not yeah. get distracted, but that's what I'm doing now. But you were craving the chicken parmesan. I was. <laughs> You're listening to Kink's Portland 50 series. I'll continue my conversation with Lisa Schroeder in a moment, but I wanted to thank our sponsor. The Portland 50 series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution, serving our community since 1950. Now back to my conversation with Lisa Schroeder. Lisa is the executive chef and owner of Mother's Bistro. Mother's Bistro features mother's food, traditional home-cooked dishes served by Portland's unofficial mother, and has been recognized by Food & Wine magazine, Willamette Week, and Portland Monthly. Mother's Bistro celebrates their 19th anniversary on January 1st. So the secret of mothers, I mean, to be successful, to be beloved for 18 years, what are what do you think is the secret? Well, I love my guests. <laughs> to be beloved, you have to love. Mm-hmm. And I truly love the people I serve. I may complain about them sometimes <laughs> and the modifications, but no. Um, I truly adore feeding people. I live to serve. Um, nothing makes me happier. And... Um, all my staff either drink my Kool-Aid or they don't last, and they too love our guests. I mean, they'll come and say, oh, did you see that cute baby on table 13? Did you go, Bubba? And so it's really all about the love, and I, it's not just a bunch of words. It's not a tagline to sell. Yeah. It's because it really is what we're about, and I think our guests feel it. Yeah. We try to give four-star service. We try to do everything for the guests so that they don't have to, and I think our guests recognize that. And so many places in Portland, like they could give a damn if you're sitting in their restaurant or not. And uh, we do not feel that way. Everybody is a gift. They are gracing us with their presence. And we are very lucky that they're eating with us. And we show it. And I I love the videos that you've put together (laughs) where you're talking with your kitchen staff and you're talking (laughs) with your staff on the floor. And then you're talking to uh, some of the guests uh, in your restaurant as well. And yes, you can. That comes out. That comes out in just these fun little videos that you put out. Um, yeah, and I do do these videos, and it's, you know, I haven't figured out how to put myself into the videos. You know, people <laughs> might want to see me, but I haven't figured that out. So I'll just videotape okay. everybody else. You can yeah, hear, good. You, I'm glad you like you it. You hear the voice. You recognize <laughs> the voice. It's all good. Uh, wh- one thing that I love uh, that I saw on your website was the mom 
the mother of the month right. that you've got. And so you feature these mothers once a month and uh, their recipes as well. Yes. So how long have you been doing that? Oh, from day one, as I was writing the menu for mothers, I was trying to figure out, well, how can we be seasonal? You know, yes, we have a different mac and cheese every day and we have a different fish every day or soup, but how can we be seasonal? How can we change things up a bit? Because I didn't want to change the regular mainstay mother's menu yeah. because I must have chicken soup on the menu. <laughs> I've got to have pot roast. And uh, the, again, a light bulb went off in my head. Oh, the mother of the month, the M-O-M, the mom. We will feature a different mother. We'll tell her story and some of her dishes. And so we'll feature a Mediterranean mother in the summer months, a Russian mother in the winter months, so we can be seasonal. Things can be interesting. We can learn new foods and and learn about new people and new uh, customs. I just worked with a woman from Saudi Arabia, and I'm so excited because we're going to do, where have you ever heard of Saudi Arabian food? Well, that's we're going to do that one of these months. How do you get these mothers? Oh, well, you know, I'm always out in my dining room and meeting my <laughs> guests, and then through friends. You know, I have a friend from Saudi Arabia, and Ali, and he just graduated uh, from PSU with a master's degree. And, of course, his, he's um, gay. His, he, his parents can't know. And um, he, he, he's just have confided and confided in me, and we've become really good friends. And when his parents came to visit from out of town, uh, we talked about, well, let's, uh, let's, let's feature your mom. And so he orchestrated. So I talked to friends. I talked to family. I talked to guests in my dining room. If you have a mother who can cook, you're a potential <laughs> feature at Mother's Bistro and Bar. Oh, that's awesome. So some of the accolades, uh, Restaurant of the Year from Willamette Week, uh, City Search and Portland Monthly, Best Comfort Food, Best Brunch, Best Lunch Spot. I noticed on Facebook yesterday, Brian Berger had a photo of, uh, I don't, I think Pumpkin it was, pancakes. Yes, yes, it was breakfast. That's right, with the corn, uh, yes, the, the candy, candy corn, corn on it. Um, so that cracked me up because I'm like perfect timing. But it's not just like we talked about. It's not just the accolades. It's uh, the regulars that come. And, yes. And the regulars that say, hey, you've got to come to Mother's. Or, you know, when you come to Portland, I'm going to take you to Mother's. Which I know the answer to this, I'm pretty sure, after, what, 30 minutes of talking with you. Which is more important to you? Which which is more impactful? Which of which? The the awards from, from Willamette Weeks and the Portland Monthlies and what have you, or the the regulars who come and, and bring, bring well, their Well, my goodness, it's all rewarding. I mean, to get an award is extremely rewarding, and it gives you, and it also people need to see that. I mm -hmm. mean, guests need to be reassured that they're dining in the right place. Yes. Okay, this person has done that. Okay, we can eat here. And, you know, we, I didn't get all this faith just by opening. Yeah. This happened because uh, the Willamette Week named me us the restaurant of the year. It, it happens. gets you noticed. Absolutely. I mean, it's a tsunami when you get named restaurant of the year. Yes. It, it opens all the doors. So all that pressed and the awards definitely help instill confidence in my guests and make mm -hmm. them know, feel assured that they're picking a good place. Yeah. And then you've also uh, been awarded uh, Portland Business Journal's Business Woman of the Year, which is pretty neat. How long ago was that? Probably about five years ago, the Orchid Award, yeah. That's nice. That was reassuring. And, you know, it takes a lot to run a business, and uh, it's nice to be recognized for that. Yes, and the cookbook that came out a few years best, back, Mother's Best. Yes. Um, what was the idea behind that? What was the inspiration? Um, well, people are always asking me for recipes. I'm forever <laughs> emailing recipes, and it was just... It was getting silly. Yeah. And so I just felt, well, let's get it all into a book. And um, that my, my cookbook is really unique in a few ways. One is 
that I actually give salt and pepper measurements. I hate when I get a cookbook and they say salt and pepper to taste. So many novice cooks have not a clue how to season. Mm -hmm. So that was super important to me. And um, the other thing I included in there are um, love notes. So it's about the love again. Mm -hmm. And so when you're cooking, you need to learn the whys and wherefores. Not just, I don't want to just tell you to put a, a butter in a pan and not tell you why. Right. And so we've got love notes all throughout the book so that you can learn the reasons why we do this and why we do that. So that's another way it's set apart. And they've asked me to do a, a sequel, but I just, uh, there's not enough right hours now. in the day. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I have to say, and it was reinforced with oh, Johnny Armani. Is that his uh -huh. name? Where he did that video yes. um, featuring you. It was like a 10-minute video. Yes. And it was the, the process that really stands out is the, the slow cooking. Yes. The, the cooking that we know from our grandmothers and our mothers where, you know, you've got a, a chili on the stove for hours or yes. you're braising uh, a roast for hours. And that's, I'm, I'm not uh, an expert in the, in the restaurant world. I've, you know, my, my waitress days go back uh, pretty far. That's unique in many ways to mothers. It is. We do slow-cooked foods yes. that are made with love, braised dishes that take hours mm -hmm. to prepare. Um, I was just, you reminded me, I went to one restaurant a long time ago and they served a couscous, a deconstructed couscous. Now, couscous from Tangier or from you know Morocco is a stew that cooks for hours and the vegetables get mushy and the lamb falls off the bone. And they had kind of cooked the chicken here and then they browned the vegetables over there and they made the couscous over here and then they put it together in a bowl. But that's not couscous. And the flavor that you get from a stew that is simmered for three to four hours, mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the flavors permeate one another. The lamb tastes like the cabbage. The carrots taste like the lamb. The flavors can't be compared. And so that is really something that sets us apart. And in fact, when I move, I'm going and be investing in a $17,000 brazer uh, because we do so much brazing, um, and it is really an integral part of our cuisine. What is your favorite dish to make? My favorite dish to make? Oh, that's a toughie. Yeah. I can't I Okay, can't give me say. a couple. Well, my favorite dish to make is anything that's for my grandkids, I guess, in the morning. You know, when I make them breakfast in the morning, I can cook eggs for 900 people in the all day long. But when it's uh, getting ready for school and I got to make this one an over hard <laughs> egg and this one a scrambled egg. This morning we had cream of wheat and the other one had a, I just am proud of myself that yeah. I can mul make multiple dishes for different grandkids and make everybody happy. And I don't have to say, what do you think this is, a restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> um, that is uh, definitely uh, reassuring that I could do that. But I just, uh, I really do love to do braised dishes. I just think the flavors that come together are unparalleled. And so I not only enjoy the uh, searing of the, the protein and the adding of the aromatics, but the final uh, product is always just can bring tears to your eyes when it tastes that good. Nice. Gosh, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> uh, you mentioned your grandkids. Yeah. And your life certainly took a change, took yeah. a turn a few years ago. You are mothering your grandkids now. Yes. Um, after your daughter's passing. How is that? I mean, you were a single mom for a long time mm -hmm. uh, with one child and going to school, and that's hard. You're now uh, the parent of four kids, five-year-old twins and teenagers, right? Twin six-year-olds, six a 14-year-old boy, and a 15-year-old girl. And that's hard. 
You're telling me. Yeah. Yeah, it's very hard. Thankfully, we have another grandmother in the picture, Good. Uh, the paternal grandmother and uh, the dad. Yeah. And so um, they are also very involved. It's taking a village to raise these yeah. kids, and we're just, my whole focus is them. When I think uh, to myself, if my daughter wouldn't want anything from me, if there's one thing my daughter says is take care of my kids, mm-hmm. take care of my kids. So there's they're my raison d'etre, they're my reason for living, and they're my reason for opening up um, a new location and moving mothers because mm-hmm. I have got to be here to stay yeah. and uh, be here for them so that they're, they're, they can be taken care of. That is my goal. Have any of them uh, indicated... Uh, their passion for food as much as you have? Well, my granddaughter cooks a lot, but never with me. Doesn't, it has nothing to do with me. I'm yeah. like the mother that she doesn't yes. want to deal with. Yeah. you know. So she's 15 and does yes. whatever she's doing. Um, my grandson loves to cook for himself. And the, and the other grandmother does makes dinner every night when they're home. And she does, make, does an amazing job. Um, but uh, I can't get them. To, they, I'm trying. I'm working on the little ones. The yeah. bottom line is the other day we made egg salad for breakfast. I get the little slicer. They like that project. Mm-hmm. So I'm teaching them how to cut and dice. And my hope is that one, at least one <laughs> grandchild will take over the business. I hope. Yeah. And that would be wonderful. But I, I do would. have visions. It's Julian and Oliver. And I see my grandson, Oliver, you know, being in the front and or Oliver in the kitchen and Julian managing the front. I just I think it would be so adorable. The yeah. twins running the restaurant that would be adorable. Uh, You have a lot of passion for things outside of the restaurant as well. You have a lot of causes that you're very Mm -hmm. passionate about. Uh, Share a strength you've worked with, Oregon Food Bank, Basic Rights Oregon, Our House, the Mm -hmm. Raphael House, and the Bradley Engel House, to name probably a few. Why these? And and tell me about that. Well, first of all, for me... I always wanted to be politically involved. That's why yeah. I study political science. I, I am a person of this world. It's not just about me and my little world. I need to give back. I need to be part of this universe. Mm-hmm. I need to help take care of Mother Earth and whatever I can for my fellow man. So um, I always wanted to use mothers for causes I believed in. I always wanted my space to be in a public space. Mm-hmm. And if I believed in something, I will make it available. And so whether it's... Um, America for Gun Sense, or I'm a survivor of domestic violence. My first husband was physically abusive, so I swore that if ever I made it, one day I would help other survivors. And so I've made it a point. And even when my daughter died, we gave, I, I, I listed the Bradley Engel House as a place where people could give. And um, I just feel that I wish everybody did this, but I feel that we all can impact the world. Mm-hmm. We each can affect change. It's not because I have a restaurant that I can affect change, but it does give me a bigger platform, yeah. which I um, I want to make available for causes I believe in. And I support artists who get political because, you know, thank God we're given a mouthpiece. Look, here I am talking to you where I can actually say something that is meaningful and might make change. Yeah. And uh, it's a very lucky place to be. And I don't take it for granted. And so my space isn't just for me. It's for my community. And you also work towards uh, renaming Harvey Milk. Because, again, equality is super important to me. I mean, I grew up in a beauty salon. All my, all my babysitters were gay. <laughs> These are my, it's my people. Yeah. They are my people. And I feel that um, this is, we need to bring equality for all human beings. And Basic Rights Oregon is a great organization that um, helps ensure that for at least for Oregonians. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's not just, and, and I know this because I've had people speak to me about this, it's not just your food that uh, brings people t- through the doors of mothers. It's this as well, because they have mentioned to me not just the food, but that you are fighting for and you are a voice for 
um, equal rights. So I think that carries over. Big time. I mean, it's very important to me. And fighting to have Harvey Milk Street named, I think, was very important so that um, the LGBTQ community can look and see that there is a hero and youth can look at that and see there's somebody they can look up to and aspire to. And they, too, can affect change and have a street named after them. Mm -hmm. I love that. I want to go back to um, the opening. Is it going to be in November? No, we're moving now to January. Okay, I wasn't <laughs> we're sure. We're looking at January. Um, we're not. We don't want to move in the middle of our busy season, and the place won't be done till mid December. So right. we're just saying, okay, January. Yeah, and so January will will it look like mothers on uh, on Second uh, Avenue, or have you sort of uh, reimagined? Are you going to use this opportunity to sort of play differently with the aesthetics? Mothers is going to inform Mothers 2.0. We're definitely going to have chandeliers, brass and glass sconces, a lot of gold, yellow, and green. But um, I've got a bigger budget now because I've grown up, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and now I don't have to do it on a shoestring. So I'm buying really lush velvet fabrics for the bar, and they'll be in tones of green and yellow because we want to keep it bright in there. And I'm just, I've just bought these amazing fabrics and I've looked in all these restaurant magazines. I haven't seen it anywhere where there are these just gorgeous fabrics and they're just going to work well together and feel so cozy. Mm-hmm. Um, we're investing in having banquettes built all the way around, which is probably our biggest expense. So it looks like all the benches that mm-hmm. were at Mother's lining the windows. Um, it's ending up costing probably going to be over in a million dollar renovation by the time we're done, which was not in the plan. Why spend 500 <laughs> when I could just move over? there but it turns out but I think it'll be money well spent for our future and I know for my guest comfort they're going to come in a large beautiful lobby where they can just stroll to the host stand and relax and not have to fight the crowds yeah it is a beautiful lobby in there so that would be lovely a piano we're gonna have a piano bar we're keeping the piano that was there before so if anybody's got talent you can come and play (laughs) sing for your supper and then the uh, original location is going to be um I wrote this down. Mother's Velvet Lounging Cafe. So we're going to keep our the entry side, the da- the okay. dark side of Mother's, the black and gold side, as a cafe and a bar, probably open from like 3 to 11, mm-hmm. serving Southern Comfort, small bites and plates. Yeah. And the um, corner location, we're hoping either to sublet mm-hmm. or uh, rent for parties and meetings and whatever. Oh, you could bring your own caterer, use my space. Have at it. Have so at it. Uh, that's the, that's the idea. Do you have the menu set for this for this one, or are you still working on We're it? We're working on it. It's okay. a work in progress. And for the corner, I mean, if anybody wanted to take the whole location, if they want my old location, I do want to make a point. It is available. <laughs> I will I will happily sublet it. I've got nine years left on the lease, but uh, I I do need to keep it running as a restaurant until uh, until that happens. And so that's what we're going to do. And then the menu with mothers at Embassy Suites. I read that there were going to be some additions. But nothing drastic. I mean, right. I am not going to drastically Just change my menu at all. Yep. Like people have been clamoring for our roast chicken. And um, so I'm going to bring roast chicken back. And we, uh, we're we going to probably change up a pork dish and go to a pork schnitzel with spätzle instead of sautéed with braised with beer and onions. So we'll make a few changes here and there. Nothing drastic. Mothers will be the same. The it's same people. Mothers. The same love. The same food. Just made in more space. Looking back, when you were uh, going to the Culinary Institute, when you were finally sort of taking action on this this idea, this dream that you had, not knowing where you were going to end up, not knowing how it was going to turn out, if it was going to happen, is this sort of what you thought? Is this what you 
hoped. Is this anywhere close to what you pictured? It's better than I could have ever imagined. It's far more successful than I could have ever hoped. I feel so blessed and thankful and grateful and lucky. And yes, it it hasn't been luck. It's been a lot of hard (laughs) work. But people work very hard and don't always achieve. And so I'm very thankful for where we are today. It is beyond my expectations. Were there any bumps along the way that you uh, sort of encountered and you learned from right away that you were like, okay, uh, especially in the beginning where you're like, okay, that's not going to work. I've got to switch gears. Too many to mention. I have learned so much, (laughs) but I think the most important thing I have learned is that I can say to somebody, can we talk about it later? Yeah. I did not know that I couldn't say that. I, I didn't know I could say that. So when I first opened and for the first five years, anything that came up at me, whether somebody's talking to me about a vacation in December or that the oven is burning, I would answer and respond. Well, imagine in a restaurant with thousands of people coming through it. That happens a lot. And so that would just really work me up. And I wasn't giving sweet, kind answers anymore because I was literally going to explode. So I learned finally after many years that you can say we can talk about it later if it's not urgent. Can we address that? And then I can do it at a more peaceful time where I can give people a nice, clear, calm response rather than one said in... You know, oh, my God. Yes, Yes, that's a big that was a big thing to learn. You've learned to yeah, have your time, be valuable and to have a little space. And hopefully come January, maybe it might not happen then, but you'll have some time to sort of relax after all of this, because this has got to be. I know. I know. I, I say that. And as I was saying, I'm like, wait, no, she's got four kids at home. And yeah. Oh, well, no, and I'll be opening up a restaurant right. that has a third more seat. So, yeah, there so will never no, mind. No, there'll be no, no relaxation, but uh, it's, it'll be go time. Then it'll be like opening a whole, it'll be opening a whole new restaurant. It'll be reliving all that and all its kinks, no matter how many years of experience you have. There's always uh, hurdles to overcome when you open a new space. Yeah. Are you excited? I'm excited. I'm excited. Yes, I'm very excited. Yeah. I'm excited for it to happen. And the biggest, I think the biggest thing is we're now going to be open seven days a week, 365 days a year at my new location. So a lot of people show up at Mother's on a Monday and walk away with sad. Yeah. And so now once we move in January, yep, seven days a week. So that's daunting. So I'm not that excited because I'm a little right. trepidatious. But uh, now we'll be doing every, you know, every holiday, Thanksgiving, Christmas. So we're thinking probably prime ribs and ham buffets for those holidays. But yeah, yeah, we'll be open all the time. And you're bringing uh, all your staff over and you're probably adding a few. Yes. Okay. So at least you've got the reassurance that you've got these veterans, your team, and they're coming over and they're going to uh, make... For Kill a it. smooth transition. Well, and they're so excited. It's yeah. like they're starting a new job, but it's their same job. Yeah. yeah. And, but then, you know, they're just so excited because they've all been a part of it. I've told them from the get-go. I've involved them in the decision. They went to look at the space before I took it. I didn't make this decision on my own. I've brought them along all the way just to make, you know, make sure, okay, are you guys, is this the right thing? So yeah. they're really excited to have this change. And a good sounding board. Yeah. Good. Lisa, thank you so much. Thank you for my cookies. Oh, my and pleasure. thank you for coming in. This is a crazy time for you, so I appreciate this time. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Thank you for joining me for my conversation with Lisa Schroeder. If you've missed any of the previous podcasts, you can find them at our website at kink.fm. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Portland 50 podcast wherever you're listening. The Portland 50 is a podcast series celebrating Kink's 50th anniversary, and it's about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. 
The series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950.